are studying a familiar scene from Mark 11. We'll be reading the passage first, so if you'd like to follow along in your Bible, please turn to Mark 11, 15 through 19. Today you'll notice that we have skipped over the triumphal entry because we studied this uh, on Palm Sunday. And also you will see that Mark puts this passage in between a bigger story about the cursing of the fig tree. So next week we're going to tackle that whole narrative about the fig tree. So today we're going to talk about the cleansing of the temple. So hear the word of the Lord from Mark eleven fifteen through 19. Then they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling and those who were buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry anyone through the temple. He was teaching and saying, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it a den of robbers." And when the chief priests and the scribes heard it, they kept looking for a way to kill him, for they were afraid of him, because the whole crowd was spellbound by his teaching. And when evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. As free Methodists, there are strong roots of equality which run through our history. When we think about our Methodist heritage, we think, of course, of John Wesley, In his lifetime, he was committed to serving the poor, which began a revival spiritually, economically, and socially in the communities around England. Through class meetings, they would raise funds to distribute food, clothes, and medicine to those who most needed it. Wesley himself lived on much less so that he could contribute to the rest to help others. In 1746, he started helping with medical assistance and opened the first dispensary for those who had none. He helped those out of work to find a job and loaned money for those who wanted to start a business. He educated children, giving them basic schooling alongside Christian truths. He instilled in their families the duty to raise children well, and literacy was a huge key to this. Because he taught a scriptural holiness, people began to stop drinking, to stop living in violent ways, to stop living immoral lives. Wesley also fought against slavery, writing a book denouncing the vicious, horrible trade, as he called it. Here is what he said. Let none serve you by his own act and deed, by his own voluntary choice, away with whips. All chains, all compulsion, be gentle toward men, and see that you invariably do unto every one as you would have them do unto you. He fought slavery until he took his last breath. It is believed that England was saved from the kind of bloody revolutions that other countries experienced in that time because a middle class was raised up from those who previously had been impoverished with no hope. In the 18th century, an estimated one million people in Britain and North America became followers of Jesus through the Methodist movement. 
Free Methodism was found in 1860 in New York with equality as its core belief. The word free came about because we declare that there is not one person who is more important or more loved by God because of their race or their gender or their socioeconomic status. We proclaim that those who are ordained are equal to those who are not, and that there is freedom in how we express ourselves in worship, and we believe putting our money into our communities instead of promoting extravagance in the life of the church, because that is what Jesus would have us do. As we come to Freedom Sunday, we appreciate the past, but we realize that in our day, we have much to do so that we might make a better future We don't want to be a people who love the idea of how it is that we came to this point looking only to our past and turning a blind eye to what it is that we should be doing today. Doug told us there are an estimated 40 million slaves around the world. That is the current population of California. That is a lot of people. A lot of victims of human trafficking who are forced to work as unpaid labor in thousands of different ways with no ability to break out of the cycle of poverty, abuse, and exploitation. And so our hearts break. And we pause on this day and we lament that there are people who are not given a choice to live lives that they want, but who live lives at the mercy of others. The passage that we read today is how Jesus angrily took a stand against injustice that was happening in his day. And we understand in Mark 11 how Jesus will not allow people to make a mockery of the work that, G- that the God was doing. And today I just want to briefly talk about some parallels from this passage to Freedom Sunday. My goal is not to proof text the scripture, making it say something it was not meant to say. But I want us to think about some principles that we see from this passage and reflect on how Jesus was fighting the same issues that we, his people, face today. First principle, we cannot forget that people are inherently selfish. People live in a way to benefit themselves and their own needs. We see this here with those who are changing money and gaining an unfair advantage. To make money by cheating the system is not moral, but people do it all the time to get ahead. In the temple, money was being changed into an acceptable form of payment for the temple tax. But those who were doing it were overcharging for the transaction. So those going to worship were at their mercy, and Passover was a lucrative time. They're also selling birds at a high rate. You can buy the birds outside, but when you come inside, they may say, well, you can't bring that one in here. It has a defect, so you have to buy ours. When people cheat to make more, somebody has to pay. We have to think about that. It is often the poor who are stuck and have no alternative but to bear the burden. In the temple, those who were poor, those who were traveling, those who had no power were at the mercy of those who were taking advantage. In modern slavery, it is the same. Second principle. God's house always should be a safe place. In his day, Jesus must have seen injustices all around him. He called them out. 
But this is a startling example of how he feels about the pain inflicted by those who would use others to line their own pockets. While we might expect this kind of thing in the world, Jesus is very clear that God's house is not to be used in this way. Where this is occurring is in the outer court, where the Gentiles were given a place to meditate and to pray. But those who would come from all nations cannot even find God because there's so much noise and commerce. The church should be a place where all people are treated with the expansive love of God. The church is never to be a place where people are used just for what they can give. This is foundational teaching in scripture, but it has been violated in so many ways throughout the centuries. And today still, we hear heartbreaking stories of those who have been exploited in God's house. As the Lord's people, we cannot turn away. We have to listen to those stories. We have to lament with those that we know and we love who have been hurt. Because in this way, we help to bring healing in the name of Jesus. We also want to be a place where those who are not yet part of God's family might be able to hear from God so they might make a connection with him. And that only happens when our motivation is set on honoring God and not ourselves. Third principle. Injustice should lead to righteous anger, which then leads to action. If we come home from being gone, gone and someone is in our house doing something that is quite offensive to us, we would be angry. Our home is our sanctuary, and it would lead us to take action and to do something about it. People are desecrating God's house here in a way that is wrong, and so Jesus acts. The book of Mark is about discipleship. Jesus has been teaching and teaching and teaching principles for us to know, and now he acts. We have to be hearers of the word and then go out and live what we have learned. We have to have our action be a characteristic of who we are in God. Christians are meant to bring change that comes from the transformation we find in Jesus. This is how we live out God's life in us. Fourth principle. The love of money is the root of all evil. This is a crucial truth for us as Christians. How will we respond to the struggle of the rights of people over the love of money? Money is the greatest motivator for those who control others, and we know the love of money is the root which grows into so many of the social ills that have been suffered as a human race. True evil is perpetuated by wanting more. So as Doug has said, we need to fight our own greed for cheap goods at the expense of the cost of human life. It's exhausting to think about the companies that we have to look at and examine and think about not going to someplace we love because they have bad practices. But we have to pay more attention. Our buying habits might be supporting people whose actions would appall us if we knew we can't know everything, but in the areas we do, we have to make changes. And I think that it also encourages us to buy less, 
to focus on what we need instead of what we just want to have. This is a commitment to save someone's daughter, to save someone's son, to help someone out of an economic spiral that they can't break, to support micro-industries that are known to lift people up. It makes such a difference. Jesus threw himself into the struggle of this situation, and so we need to join the fight, showing some of the indignation that he does here. Fifth principle, it can be dangerous to take on those who are benefiting from the business of exploitation. Those who were selling in the temple courts must have been so mad at what Jesus did that day. He drove them out. He called them a den of robbers. Maybe his actions didn't last very long, but long enough for the leaders to decide that Jesus had to go. Those who are making money don't want to be stopped. They don't want their income taken from them. This is why women who come out of trafficking have to find a safe house. People who are in debt bondage need protection when they are freed. Jesus will soon die for the many ways he has upset the systems of the day. So it is our job to pray for those who are on the front line of this work, often missionaries, often people in places where they are doing such important work that we are so separated from. We need to ask for protection and discernment, and we need to decide how we will act. And we need to ask the Lord to show us what it is that he wants us to do, believing that this work is done in the name of Jesus. And in that name, we have resurrection power and redemption and hope. This time we had a, this week, we had a sweet time of candle making with the women of the church. And Carrie led us on a devotional on Jesus being the light of the world. And she gave us some familiar words from John that I want us to think about. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. I was thinking about how much we love the metaphor of light. It's a beautiful metaphor And it conjures up warm, inviting, comforting, illuminating. Light is necessary for life. But I was also thinking about how we feel when we are dead asleep in the dark of night and somebody turns on the light. Then it's harsh and unwelcome and unforgiving and glaring. Jesus is shining a light on a truth here that he wanted his people to be jarred into seeing. If those who stand for God, who caretake his temple continuously, are using it for their own gain or are oblivious to those who are, God's work is going to be compromised. In the same way, we cannot go to sleep. This is our watch, and we need to continue to bravely use God's light to shine in the darkest and most dismal corners of the world So he might be glorified as people find freedom in him. The question for us is, how have we been compelled to act? 
How is God compelling us to act today because of his light? We want to embrace our tradition of social justice, but also we want to follow Christ into the future, helping to change the existence of those who are vulnerable and alone. There is great work being done, so let us join in the cause for freedom. Let us pray. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.